Zup, rattle heads. Maybe it comes to no one's surprise that while we weren't looking, Megadeth changed their lineup. This conversation was recorded in conjunction with Disenchanted Disintegrators, so we got Matt Beckless in with us. Here we are. Here we go. UFO. So far, 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 It's been a while since we were on. In the meantime, I saw the band live for the first time in a few years with my old bass player, Dan, who also, like, he was the first huge Megadeth fan I met. Hindsight is always 2020. Looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. People mutually assured destruction. My story. time for me seeing Kiko and seems to be the last. In some weird way he put in reverse gear and slowly backed out of the band. Finito. Last year, called the sick, the dying and the dead. Yeah! And uh, we want to thank you for helping us uh, make that album so important here in Sweden and, and uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. We want to do a song from that new record for you. This is uh, the first single that we had on the sick, the dying and the dead. Yeah! Well, here we are. Another member of Megadeth, crucial member, has departed the fray. And um, I got to say, this one uh, 
is kind of disappointing. Um, I feel like in the post-Marty Friedman era of Megadeth, it's been kind of faceless in the uh, second guitar spot. Lots of great players. Very, 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 I guess, paint-by-numbers heavy metalers. Um, again, all great guitarists, but no true somebodies and some would say well chris broderick smokes but yeah that's true but to me he's just he's no different from any other sicko guitar shredder out there you know and and kiko is the first megadeth guitarist i feel they've had and i touch back on this when we cover the newest record kiko is the first second guitarist megadeth has had in, in quite some time that i felt like had its had his own style his own flair had something to contribute to the sound. And obviously he wrote a lot on the most recent record, as did Dirk Verburen. So at least there's going to be some, presumably, continuity there as far as writers carrying over to the next record. But Kiko did have a flair. There was something about him that uh, was different. And um, again, just something that he brought to the table that the other guitarists since Marty Friedman hadn't really been able to bring to Megadeth. So... Um, I do think this is uh, a loss to the band that is much more disappointing than the other ones of late. discredit guys like Chris Broderick or really anyone else but like I felt like everyone else they've had since Marty was just kind of like your I don't want to use the word token but like I guess I'll say token they were just kind of token shredders yeah or even session musician because like Chris yeah. Chris is in, in flames now right you know we have this thing like yeah. we we have been bringing in we do the reverse you you get the hockey players and we get we, we get the <laughs> guitars right. for some reason that's right Actually, is is everyone in In Flames now American except for Anders and Bjorn? Yes, yeah, it's uh, isn't uh, the dude from Dillinger Escape Plan plays bass for him now, right? A bit odd. Yeah. They're, they're all in English all the time, and I'm, I just remember like '97. Speaking of '97, Anders hardly could even speak English. He's like he's, he had such a heavy Gothenburg accent; it was crazy. <laughs> so the way they Americanized, oh yeah, is uh, interesting. The music comes <laughs> really natu uh, natural and. Uh, I mean, I don't think like 
oh no I should write, write about the northern stuff it's like it comes in your mind and ah I want to write about that so it's it's more oh, we don't sit and sit down and think now we should do that and it's more it's more natural than it started behind space we uh, lend too much of uh, our brain to the machine we let the machine do the most of the things and in the end there will be um, all, only a few people that knew, knew what uh, the how, how the machines work and maybe I mean I don't know but maybe we will be overrun by the machine whatever song we played and people turned their phones on and there were lights in the crowd and it was it was definitely difficult to not get so emotional that I, I could not sing anymore. It was just, I'm so grateful. Yeah, thank you. That's inflamed. And me and Bjorn have been in the band for like two years now, so, so now we are a steady lineup. Here comes a song called The Jester Race. If I should choose a band that I like most, it's Atheist, um, American death metal band, technical death metal band. It's the best one. That was a long time ago, like in the early days. That was my goal, and then heavy metal fucked it up. Flame started touring more and more, and I had like it was either or. Your heart is in music. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no backup plan whatsoever. Here in Germany, we sell most of the, our records, actually. This is our biggest market here in Germany. So, but here's our bigger market because, I mean... More well-known here in Germany than we are back home back in Sweden. We are not that uh, selling that many records now back home in Sweden. Australia and Japan or Asia, more show. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but uh, that, and then we have festivals, so looking forward to it. And last year was amazing, it was a great success. We have to bring more beer this time, I promise, because they sold out of it. Um, Kiko, do you have anything to say about him, Matt? Um, I really liked a lot of the stuff he put on the new record, and I feel I feel really bad that he's, he's not in the band anymore. I mean, I know it's by his design, but at the same point, it just feels like he finally got... I finally felt like he was getting like a lot of the limelight, like as far as th that sort of thing was concerned. I mean, he, he had been in the band for nine years, I think. Yeah, just about. Yeah. I feel like he was like winning the fans over. I know that sounds weird, but you know, he, everyone was kind of like, okay, Kiko's the, the guy. He's like the new guy. Like, you know, he's the new Marty songwriter. Yeah. And it felt, it like felt right. Right. And then all of a sudden he's just like, yeah, I got to go take care of this thing. And next thing you know, it's. I think Greg and I talked about it. Like as soon as he did that, I'm like, the writing's on the wall. Like he's not coming back. And Greg had already been cracking jokes about how many times they would run him over if Marty was coming back. And <laughs> I said, and I gotta admit, I, I was affected by that Budokan thing because you know when it was about to happen, you said this these things can lead to bad things, and I was yeah. I didn't mm -hmm. get that. I had to ask you, right? Mm -hmm. And then actually, in my case, it sort of made me love Kiko less because I just heard how cool Marty is as a player. Mm -hmm. So Kiko became more of a, a gigolo, uh, in a way, like a, a shred <laughs> gigolo, uh, which is very yeah. unfair. I, I will underline that it's very unfair. That's exactly, I said these things lead to bad exactly. things because, because, because once you give the people what they want to see, it immediately, um, not nullifies, but it diminishes what they have to see, which is why I think, um, I think Arch Enemy 
I think what ruined them was Carcass getting back together. Because I think that Arch Enemy was a placeholder for Carcass for a long time. Did I tell you about that whacking gig? I got to mention it. When Angela Gossov came on stage to sing with Carcass, and immediately after, Jeff Waters goes to the mic and is like, don't get me wrong, I still fucking hate Arch Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. That's like, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Carcass is a great band, but it's not because of Jeff, though. It's Bill. No, it's all, it's all Bill. I think At The Gates getting back together killed the haunted. Oh. 100%. One of them became homeless, and that was Pat Merlienz, an oh. amazing drummer. He became homeless. So, I mean, I hope really? he's no longer, but I haven't heard him oh. play drums in a while. And he was, I think he was, he's a way better drummer than Aljan, to my taste at least. You know, uh, better group. Merlienzen is an awesome drummer. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's he's going towards that oh, Nick Mensa kind of, you know, groove and tightness. Made Me Do It is like the record I put on for people. I'm like, this is how the drums should sound on like a thrash record. Yeah. It's so good. And I love how on Made Me Do It and One Kill Wonder, he picks like two spots, a total of two spots where he'll do like a quick two measure blast beat. And that's it. None other on the record. And then the way it ended, super anticlimactic. Like, even the way Dave ended involved a climax, if you think about it, but I don't recommend thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) It was not anticlimactic per se. And if you go back to the 80s, people pawned off gear for heroin and stuff. Yeah. Dramatic, right? So what I think is, if this was a clean break, which I'm happy for them to have, a clean break, he wants out, uh, and they're just, you know, like, thumbs up for these years. They should have had at least a final show, I think. Yeah. It could be any normal show, but it would be announced, and you would have a proper Megadeth crowd sending him off. Now he's just kind of put reverse gear in and pissed off back to Finland to stay. It's weird. It was a weird end. At the end of the day, the one thing that's always going to end up being the case about departures in Megadeth, it's always going to end up in Mustaine in a way that makes... It abundantly clear who the boss is and who the band is. And no one, doesn't even matter if you're Dave Elfson, who was in that band for basically 30 years, basically. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who's in that band. No one is getting the red carpet treatment out the door. Except for Dave Mustaine, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it could have been a first. It could have been nice. It wouldn't have to be yeah. that big, you know? Uh, just a regular old show. I've seen shows like that, when a band is like, this is the final show for um, Charles on the bass. Give it up for Charles. It's good. It's nice. Yeah. The that's ritual true. of sorts is sending him off. Good luck. And yeah. this is just like he wasn't fired and he's gone. Very anticlimactic. This is also the band that even back in the day when Marty Friedman was still a guitar, guitar player, Dave Mustaine didn't even have the 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 wherewithal to tell him they replaced his guitar solo in Breadline. That phone call that he should have made. It's such a yeah embarrassing story. Like I get that. Like the whole story of that. That's a great point, Matt. By the way, like I get that you have management and you pay them to do certain things, 
But like stuff like that, like that's such a spineless. such a spineless. I guess for lack of it's a pussy move, you know. Like you yeah, can't just pick up the phone and call the dude yourself. Like, hey man, we're in the studio right now. This is what's happening. This sorry. You, you can either come down or, or else I just got to do it and fix it. But no, you make a phone call to your manager and say, like... Management was supposed to tell him, like, dude, you're in a band with this guy. Yeah. I mean, that's I, that's mm-hmm. the odd thing is I think we look at it as, like, you know, bands are, you know... we never been in a band at that level. No, and I think I was going to say this. We get the practice of actually having to be uncomfortable with our bandmates. I think it's good. And I think it's, it seems like the further you get into that management... Torment, no, not torment, maze. Mm-hmm. Maze of torment. Yeah. <laughs> maze of torment. The further you get into that maze of torment, the, the less of a band you're going to have. And Megadeth, even Marty went, he flat out said it in Budokan now, right? Yeah. It's always been Dave. He said it in the room, with everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like, okay, he really went there. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's not wrong. No, he's not. No one disagreed. <laughs> yeah. No one disagreed. And that's why you couldn't have a Mustaine solo record. It makes no sense. Obviously, it's Megadeth. That's what it is. Megadeth Records are Mustaine's yeah. records. For the most yeah. part. He has other writers that he basically outsources for it, but more or less, Dave Mustaine is Megadeth, and Megadeth is Dave Mustaine, and, and that's every departure of every member of that band is just a reiteration of that point, that Megadeth is Dave and Dave is Megadeth, and that will never, ever be, that'll never be different. It'll never change. So I would say it was a bit sad with Kiko. It ha- does have a little bit of a silver lining, though, for me. Uh, actually, a, a, a lining which is white and blue. Because now we got a fan <laughs> yeah, that's... in the big four. I don't know if he's permanent. but uh, And actually, I haven't even listened to anything any of his playing. I know he's probably awesome at playing. Yeah. Maybe he plays a lot like Kiko, I would assume. But uh, he's Finnish. That's cool, you know. We, we haven't had any Swedes. We haven't had any Finns. That's right. We haven't had any Norwegians in the big four. Only the Dane. That's right. I don't think I've ever heard Winter Sun, but I feel like I know exactly what they sound like without hearing them. I've never heard them, though. Yeah, probably yeah. just very proper. I mean, Kiko picked him, yeah. a friend of his. Kiko lives in Finland. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wanted freedom, right? He said that in, in Portuguese. Yeah, that's what he said. He had a solo gig like two days ago, I saw. Okay. And skip a beat. He's already got a solo career going. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, it all feels pretty corporate, right? It feels a bit corporate. Yeah. The, the way it ended, uh, anticlimactic and a bit corporate. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, I, there's a lot of drama in Megadeth, but this time I would have wanted just a little bit. He seems like a very, he seems like a very, I don't, uh, not, I don't want to maybe use the word zen-like, but he seems like a very relaxed character, and I don't know, almost to the point of boring. Yeah, right. Not. Really, but almost. But like, like you know, I don't know because that colleague, that colleague that you know, we're gonna work good together, but we're not gonna enjoy much more than working together. That he has that vibe to him. That, you know, but but uh, but <laughs> call me crazy, call me wacky, call me wild, but I get the feeling sometimes that Dave Mustaine can be a bit much, and <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like how you phrase yeah. that. And I don't know if. <laughs> You know, I think oil and water, sometimes that can work in a creative environment, and sometimes it can even behoove an environment, you know, um, but I don't know for how long. I think sometimes even that creative push eventually just wears on itself, especially if someone could be on the more higher end of maintenance, which we know our fearless leader to be on occasion. I just posted a quote from that article, um, and yes. it was... 
It was Mustaine talking about uh, the new. The yeah, new it was weird, player. right? How he came out sort of ahead of events, almost like he was impatient. Like uh, people are amazed by Tiamu's playing. You know? He says something really interesting in here. Okay, he says uh, he's really great, and I'm super excited that what Timo has brought. And it's uncanny because he plays a lot like Marty Friedman, and it's really exciting. <laughs> in a interview with Rolling Stone, Mustaine defended his comments saying, you know, that's something that has been kind of a go-to statement for me whenever I get a new player. I usually say, oh, they're great. Back in 2009, Mustaine praised Broderick saying in an online post, I am going on record and I am saying unequivocally that Chris is the best guitarist Megadeth has ever had. Just when I think Broderick can get no more outrageous or any more thrilling with the guitar solos, he comes up with something really beautiful like Marty Friedman. Here we go, quote, And at certain times, I just close my eyes during the set, and I just hear these songs played. It just sounds really magic because these guys have learned these songs, and they're not just going out there and banging their guitar around. They actually learn the solos from some of the virtuosos that I've played with over my career. He's essentially banging an ex, a uh, banging a new girlfriend and thinking about an old girlfriend. That is yeah. what he's doing musically. Yeah. He bought her a mask. He bought the new girlfriend a mask. Yeah. Put this on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, literally, I mean, verbatim, he says it right there. I just close my eyes during the set. I mean, that, that to me is like. <laughs> it's going to happen. He's go wow. He's going. I hear Boston. Close my eyes. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen with Marty again eventually. But Mustaine and honestly, this is really the only. He Marty Friedman's the only person in this world right now, besides James Hetfield, of course, that could really. That that really kind of has Mustaine over a barrel as far as, Mustaine really wanting. To be. Near that again, Hatfield and Friedman. Those 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 two dudes could get Mustaine to do whatever. But I mean, of course, it, they would come at a price. Mustaine's going to have to because Marty Friedman, obviously, he's like a superhero in Japan, you know. And I think that's the reason why he said the Rust and Peace lineup reunion didn't happen because like he has like a team of people, so therefore he has a financial is a vested financial responsibility in keeping his team of people employed. And I think he said, I can't, I'm, I can't take less money to, to do this. And I think you hear the, you hear Mustaine keep saying these things like that quote you just said, Matt, like eventually I think it's just going to happen. I think Mustaine will just say, here, just take what, what, what do you need to make this happen? Okay, we'll make this happen. Kickstarter auctions. Yeah. Selling off his old Jacksons. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. uh, it was really, I mean, people would want to see that. And I think people who would who had maybe miss Megadeth, like on a tour, if it was just Dave and the guys, like it is normally. But if it was Dave and Marty and the guys, people would come out. I would remove that. the Finnish flag from the big right. four <laughs> if Marty came back, yeah. right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there yeah. with them. But also, I, I mean... I think another side of it, not just strictly financial, it's very comfortable for him to be in Japan. It, I haven't been there, but it seems like a great place to be. Speaking the language, it seems like, why would he tour the world? That's like trading a great life for a shitty life, in his case, because he already did tour the world, right? Yeah. Uh, so there, there's no allure. It's just a job. Yeah. Uh, like, I see no way, in no way I see him coming back, unless Dave forks out, ah, shit, done. I mean, that's the kind of, that's, I think why it hasn't happened it because yeah. honestly Dave Mustaine doesn't have anything to offer Marty at this point. <laughs> that's that's or and that's why yeah, or Hetfield. And that's why You remember when he started making rumors about him and Hetfield starting a that's band? That's right. 
and and that, that was that was embarrassing. Yeah, and, was and James embarrassing. had to come out officially and like, there's been no talk no. of us starting yes. a band. It was like Jerry Seinfeld in that episode with Louis C.K. <laughs> It's like, I mean, no way, shape, or form associated with this man. <laughs> and funnily enough, actually, Louis C.K. then actually happened to, you know, fall into a bit of a controversy. Yeah, few I sure did. And Jerry wasn't there for sure. Right. But yeah, that's the thing. People join Megadeth because it can advance their career. And being in Megadeth right now wouldn't really, it wouldn't really, it'd be, be a lateral move for Marty Freeman. You know? You guys being uh, married, you don't have kids, right, Matt? I don't. Then the uh, question goes to Greg and you, but mostly Greg. Uh, if a big band would offer you a spot as a touring guitarist, a band you love, would you take it? Well, I'd pack my shit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... because you don't have kids, right? <laughs> uh, I go instantly, even a quite shitty band, actually, if they had a touring tenure, I'd go. But, but, but with Greg, you know, you're a family man. It's funny you mention that because... There was something that happened. I mean, it was very. It was like a brief. I'd pack my shit tomorrow. I like brief, <laughs> brief moment. But uh, Matt and I uh, know someone who was actually at one point in in the Guar family, okay, and cool. he was in that organization. And you know, obviously, that band still exists, even though. Dave Brocky. It's a cool band, isn't it? I mean, uh, I'm not a listener per se, but it's... I'm not really into... I've, I mean, I've heard the same probably... Even the Finnish knockoff, Lordi. Lordi, that's right, fun. yeah. You know, they won the Eurovision, that's which right. is interesting, you know, with yeah. a Alice Cooper type song. What's not to love about that? You know? Yeah, and they're, and even, like, I'm not... I know the same three to five The songs. Magus Master yeah. things, right? I know stuff like that, but I'm not... I wouldn't consider myself a Guar fan, but... About four or five years ago, I got a phone call from this person saying that the person who was touring as their guitarist, um, he was looking to pull back on touring a little bit because he he, op- he started his own business. And obviously, he was really looking to to make that his, his breadwinner, but he still wanted to play live. And basically, they were looking for to see if someone was would be willing to <laughs> basically do, sure. do the less... The less better, yeah, the, less the, the, the less lucrative paying gigs and touring, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, because so, it would be a high profile gig, he would be there. Yeah, so maybe I got a, a phone call from this person asking me if there is any interest in mm. in entertaining that, and I we had a, a a dialogue for maybe like a couple days trying to get an idea of numbers. It wasn't even something that like. I didn't say yes to anything, but it was something that I at least wanted to maybe kick the tires on, as they say, just to see what mm-hmm. it, what mm-hmm. the what the deal was. Right, and and then ultimately, obviously, they I think that guy ended up staying in the band. I think he actually might have just left actually now, like a, okay. in the last month or so. But so, that was so a conversation. Did you ever like say no or no? We I, I we sat down at dinner when I was like, you know, this thing is a thing. And, and, you know, like, I don't know how interested I am in it just because I don't really have, like, that level of interest in the band. But, you and know, you it's like... You have to buy a monster suit and stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it somewhere. <laughs> I was like, we had a conversation. I was like, let's... I, I'd be interested at least seeing what it is because, like, if anything, it's just, like, depending on... Like, if it was lucrative enough, like, because I don't know what, what standards are in the Guar family as far as what's lucrative or not lucrative as far as what they're getting paid for gigs. So it was a conversation where we were like, well, let's look into it at the very least. So, but as far as like, like I wouldn't have bent over backwards to make that gig happen. But 
I was interested at the very least in maybe hearing about it. So I guess to answer mm-hmm. that question, to answer the initial question, would I do something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think I would if it was the right thing. I would because you would it's at like, least look, uh, have a closer look at it. Yeah, absolutely. It work, yeah. absolutely. Whereas I would just pack my bags like Matt here. Well, yeah. And, well, that's and, the thing. If it was I, I wouldn't just, really count on money either. Just enough, yeah. you know, to sustain rent back home. Yeah. And that'd be fine because I'm a bit of a bum in my soul anyway. I've toured way too little because I'm very comfortable on the move. Mm-hmm. So I've toured way too little. We did the van things. You know, you guys know. Yeah. Same things. Uh, oh, yeah. I would at least try it. And then if it didn't work out, I'd be like, all right, I guess I'm going to quit my regular job. Right. Yeah. Well, say like a band like Failure Talk, for example. I would join in an instant. It's not because it's like a fave band of mine or anything, but I knew, I know I could do that. And it's good enough. And they're good enough. So I would definitely join. So it wouldn't have to be... Actually, I would rather prefer that over Megadeth. Megadeth is... That's too big of a jump. That's a big operation. in Megadeth. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it seems... Tiamu seems very, like, cut out for it. Very ready. He's got his formal attire on. Oh, he's, you know, yeah, he's got... He likes his clean shirts. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. the other thing. Like, it's... Like, he... It he looks pretty good, too. He it stepped like right... A, he stepped right in. Basically, he... he like, it, he, he, he looks... He has kind of the same like look as Kiko. Like he yeah. kind of like I mean, it's basically they just like it's a Finnish brother. Yeah, it's um yeah yeah they were they were prepared they were prepared. Who I like perhaps like I would again maybe I would uh, sacrifice the flag not only for Marty but maybe for just another type of person because <laughs> you know, it's a bit too alike. Yeah. I don't know I don't know I'm not gonna go that far but yeah, yeah I think we, we I think we touched on what I wanted to touch on in this topic. <laughs> but I, I like that kind of stuff and i think a lot of metal people shy away from it oh yeah they shy away from anything that has to do with style they shouldn't yeah. like no nah, no nah, man i just wear my uh comfortable it's like ah, that's boring man that's a bit boring isn't it it is boring it's a metallica invention really i think that had a lot of weight here in the states for a long time it, it was very uncool to like do anything flamboyant theatrical flamboyant, or, or, yeah, yeah. flamboyant in any mm. way and then at some point, I kind of went the complete opposite direction, and I said, "No, that stuff is very cool." Yeah, more power to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at some point, because like Matt said, at least over here, there's very, very deep lines in the sand drawn as far as like the hard rock or the metal world. Like you couldn't, you were either like street tough, and you were like a headbanger, or you were like kind of yeah. treading into like rock and roll kind of superstar stuff, or. Or I mean the hardcore, or scene the hardcore scene I mean, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's completely looked down upon. Yeah, which makes it all the more appealing. But eventually, like you spend so much time in that world that I think it's natural to just be like, let's maybe try something different. You know? Yeah, like uh, I think you said ways back. Maybe the girls can be. In yeah, <laughs> that's fine. exactly what I that's said. Fine. I said, <laughs> I said yeah, maybe yeah. maybe let's let chicks into the gigs. Let's know? let chicks into <laughs> in on the party. <laughs> yeah. So far, 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 so